Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Tova, co-founder and president of Wellspring Counseling, and today's show is about minorities and mental health, because this month is Minority Mental Health Month, and so for July of 2020. And so with me today, I have Pastor Ibai Paris. Hi, Ibai. Hello, Tova. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me for this show. Uh, I think you are a wonderful person to represent people of color and as a pastor and working in the church and people often referring people for mental health. Um, we do have an office there at your church, right? Yes, you do. And we are so grateful to have you all there. And you are a frequent referral source for mental health out of your congregation and into the office we have in your site. Well, well, we're not doing, you know, telehealth, but, but even still. So um, tell us just a little bit more about what you do and your work. And Sure. Um, I am the pastor over pastoral care at Miami Vineyard Community Church. Um, we are three years in with uh, this new ministry, and um, it was just something that God put on my heart after completing seminary that his people are hurting and that if nowhere else, and most importantly, the church should be the place of refuge and uh, where people can get hope and they can get healing. And sometimes, you know, going to church on Sunday just doesn't satisfy that need. And so that's why I really pressed upon our leadership to begin this ministry of pastoral care where we can meet the needs of our people be it one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one pastoral care or uh, for meals uh, if they're in need and also um, for visitations when people are ill in the hospital or at home we are willing to meet them there and pray with them and help them and their families during that time you know for wellspring we say our goal our tagline is restoring hearts and minds and that's what you're doing as a part of restoring people spiritually in your church, it's their hearts, their minds, it's the whole person. So it's, it's why we're like-minded and love partnering with you. So that's great. Um, all right. So today we want to talk about minorities and, and mental health. And um, what is the makeup, uh, racial makeup in your church? My goodness. Um, just honestly, I'll just give you a general idea. We are predominantly, uh, uh, Latino, Hispanic, but we have such a diverse uh, group of people in our church till the range is, I believe we have maybe 40 plus representatives of many races and cultures um, throughout our country. That's great. Yeah. I go to a pretty diverse church too, something I'm, I'm proud of and really love. And we have, I don't know, maybe a third, a third, a third of the major, you know, I don't know what we have. We're just a little of everything. And, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It is. Beautiful. Uh, uh, so I love that, especially in these tough times, you know, some that if anywhere people can, can um, mix it up, it should be the church because we're all united under Christ. Um, all right, let's talk first in the first half of our show about do minorities have greater mental illness or mental health stigmas? Do they have a different ways of seeing mental health that would make them less likely to come get help and that kind of thing? So I'm going to start us off with a little bit of research because I was surprised in preparing for this show um, at what I found, which is that actually the research answers to that question are mixed. So some things say, yes, there are more mental health stigmas among different uh, ethnic 
groups and others say, no, there isn't. So for example, um, there was one that talked about uh, whether there were barriers, uh, stigma health, stigmas created barriers for people who had not received treatment, people of color who had not received treatment. And the answer to that study was that there was no uh, racial or ethnic differences in the reporting of avoiding treatment. So that was kind of interesting. So it was like, no, that really wasn't an issue. There was another study that was similar um, that, that said that it was not out of a, no significant uh, avoidance out of fear of being found out among their own group. So that was, that was a little bit surprising to me, but I think it's great. I think probably it's the same in all cultures. There are some people who are a little nervous about what their families are going to say and their friends mm -hmm. and coworkers and others who, who don't. Um, there was one study in contrast that said that African-Americans were less embarrassed about seeking mental health care than whites. Wow. So I know uh, that was, um, <laughs> I don't know who that was. I have it written down here. NCBI, I'd have to look it up. But um, so that was kind of an interesting thing. So we have these mixed studies. Um, but let's talk about some of the other studies that do show there are some differences. So first of all, let's just talk about our, our black communities, our African-Americans. Uh, one piece of research says that they are less likely than whites to seek out treatment and more likely to end the treatment prematurely. So let's talk about that for a second. What do you think about that, anybody? Um, being that I, I meet with all types of people, um, I'm kind of not so sure, but I can honestly tell you that I do know that there is a stigma that exists within um, the Black African-American race. Uh, where it stems from, I'm not really sure, but I do know that there is, a, there is an assumed stigma to it, that something's wrong with me. Um, it can even appear as though there's a weakness within that person. Um, and they just don't want people to know that there is a battle um, that they're dealing with. So is, and, and the other thing is, is that you will find that the African-American community, uh, we're very private. And so coming and exposing uh, our stuff to someone else is not something that we would um, rapidly run to uh, because it's, it's a private thing and you will find that that's something that has rested within our race. And I can talk about this race because that's my race. Uh, mm -hmm. That's something that has rested within us for a very long time. Uh, so we are just not, that's not the first thought is to go and get any type of therapy at all. Plus, you don't want your family members to look at you differently mm -hmm. or um, label you in any kind of way. So it's, it's actually um, something that it would be probably one of the last resorts uh, most often. Even though I think now uh, I have seen a slight turn where there are some who are receptive to receiving the therapy because they just want to be better. Interestingly, the, the research says that they have a positive view of therapy, mm -hmm. but not for themselves. <laughs> so it's kind of like for them who are, you yeah. know, some it's people need it, <laughs> and I'm sure it's good for them, whoever they are, but, <laughs> but that doesn't mean me. Um, I did read a good article about this uh, written by an African-American who said that uh, her view was that they even coming out of slavery, there's a, a belief, a prideful, positive belief that we are resilient. And so there's a minimizing of, if I got past that, this little bit of sadness, like is 
no big deal. The, right. the, the minimizing of those things. And that in, like you use the word weakness, that there's a spiritual or a moral weakness if you can't be resilient uh, yes. with, on your own. Right. And I can even recall, um, even growing up, a lot of um, African-American families are rooted in the church. And uh, it's no irreflection on the church, but for quite a while, uh, if you're looking outside of the church for help, and uh, whether it be in, for a mental uh, situation or even uh, like divorce, anything like that, if you're looking outside of the church, then you don't have enough faith in God. Right. And uh, so no one wanted to be uh, seen in that way that you don't have enough faith to trust that God can heal your marriage. God can heal your child. God can heal you if you're struggling. So then instead, it just remains internal and that battle is there. I think that's 100% true. It's really part of the, the, the battle that Wellspring is trying to face because that exact stigma is true in the church at large mm -hmm. uh, among Christians that there's a spiritual failure, a lack of faith or something. Um, and we're trying to, to destigmatize that so that we see it as actually just one of the professional resources that Christians can use. Um, and especially for those who actually have some pretty serious organic issues, we would not say you broke your leg so don't go to the doctor and just pray about it but we do in the realm of mental health somehow it, we we ignore or minimize the organic side to depression or to a, a more serious mental illness particularly so um i do hope we can keep dispelling those myths and and encourage people to just get get help that doesn't mean anything less about their faith it may be that god actually through prayer led them to this person to get help right yes absolutely i believe that i i can't tell you how strongly i believe that um knowing that our god is a, a god of science um <laughs> that he can use people to still you know bring healing into these places of our lives because god knows that there will be times that we will experience those most unfortunate uh things in our lives and God has gifted people with these abilities to help guide us through this process of healing. And so I, I never think it's a one or the other. It's a both and. I believe that God is in both places and that healing and wholeness can come to that person by utilizing the, those services. Yeah, I, I just obviously we agree together on this um, that that it's a both hand. You know, let me bring us to Latinos, um, which is an interesting thing. I, my son-in-law is from a Cuban family and I, we've had some great conversations about this, um, but um, like the Latinos and Asian Americans are more likely than whites and even more than blacks to delay or forego needed mental health care. Um, that's a piece of statistic there. Um, Latinos also experienced high levels of self-stigma, feeling embarrassed and ashamed or not understood if they do have mental health issues within their communities. Um, and they're more likely to conceal their issues with uh, mental health problems from coworkers or classmates than whites. So um, let's talk about our Latino friends for a minute. Uh, I, I, my sense is that it's very similar. It, um, even more than the African-Americans, actually the Latinos and the Asians 
uh, Asian Americans are more reticent or have more cultural stigma about those who seek mental health. It, it's very, you have a problem um, versus this is something we keep privately within the family, mm -hmm. overcome on our own, um, and, and that kind of thing. So does that resonate with you too? Absolutely. And you know, as I, as I said, um, I have so many cultures that enter into our room for the care. Um, and as you were speaking, I was, I was like just running back and I have not yet and um, I'm not seeing it in a negative way, but I haven't had any uh, Asian, uh, anyone Asian come into our, our room or request pastoral care, honestly. I have not, um, which is... Yeah, well, we right. have a gentleman therapist who was supposed to be on our call today, was unable to make it. Um, uh, Christopher Chung, who's Chinese, and he absolutely talks about that. And he goes to a Chinese American church and, and you know, he's really... Um, a lone ranger in, mm -hmm. in his church and in his community by being a therapist and, and working in this field and, and he has done that. In terms of the Asian Americans, I'll say that their self-stigmas, according to this, was feelings of feeling inferior and they also were less hopeful. So it was kind of a little different than the Latinos in this, you know, but again, it's self-stigma. It's not that other people are putting it on, it's the way they feel on their own, you know, and so, um, just just a little less hopeful about it and and they're in fear something's wrong with me and as opposed to i'm i'm just really stressed because of covid like everybody else's you know <laughs> <laughs> so um any other thoughts on this before we take a break well it, and the latinos or the hispanics that i have dealt with what i have found very common is they'll call it something else they would rather name it something different Nervioso. I mean, yeah, nervous you know, yeah, and even when you begin to talk about certain, like, if you mention depression or um, any other kind, type of uh, description of what they are experiencing, they don't. They're not as receptive. They'll say, "Oh no, I just think maybe I'm just tired or overworked." But to actually identify it in any term that sounds like mental. Uh, uh, problems, anxiety, or, yeah. Or, yeah, anything like that that deals with the mind that indicates that you might not have control, yeah, they would rather not identify that's that. That's true. I want to just also, um, you know, here, here in Miami, when we start talking about cultures, it's pretty hard to, to, to say black, white, or whatever. We have such mixes, such islanders, such internationals, it, it, it always kind of bothers me to have such broad, sweeping things, but. To finish that, I will say that Native Americans um, do have a, um, mental health stigmas a lot. They actually statistically have the highest suicide rate of any race in America. And so I just kind of wanted to make sure we, we mentioned that. And again, I think they're less likely to get treatment for that. So that's um, of concern. So let's move on. So anybody, do you think there is a, a higher prevalence of mental illness among persons of color? I do, but I think it would be for different reasons. So okay. um, I don't think it, it, it does and doesn't when it comes down to the race, especially with African-Americans. Um, I'm actually right now reading a book about the trauma that has continuously run through the, the bloodline of the African-Americans based upon slavery. Mm -hmm. And um, 
in these play in in this place there is just the 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 battle of what an african american deals with on an everyday basis and uh then we're not uh we're not favored when it even comes down to the social economics that we experience and and the the limitations that are there you know when you want to prosper you want to do better but you continuously uh come in contact with these obstacles that say you can't and so um i i really believe for the african-american um these the stigma of of mental health it, it stems from something much deeper and just even then you have these battles that are within but you kind of keep them suppressed because of not wanting to be labeled a certain way Mm -hmm. but you're confronted with this these things every day like mm -hmm. i told someone i said you know you talk of about african americans as though it's um it's this new thing but i've been this way ever since i was born and i wake up this way and i do deal with those things but yeah. thanks be to god i have a god that has said that i'm better than that and so that's what keeps me going but it also helps me to encourage others that you know what it's okay if this is happening there's help uh so yeah i i believe that it's there i, I have seen it uh but i've just seen that there is a difference and you put that so well i i'll just um cap it with the fact that the research says exactly what you're saying it really isn't about color in terms of mental illness but there is a 20 uh, according to um, the Department of Health and Human Services, there's a 20% more likely chance for serious psychological distress in uh, adult black or African Americans than adult whites. So 20% increase. Um, but it appears it is exactly the things you've just said. It's really not about race, it's about situations. So for instance, the biggies are socioeconomic causes mm -hmm. we know that they as a whole make less money have greater poverty Absolutely. and those are the correlations with greater stressors and relation to mental health issues so um that is not as much true for latinos and asians by the way it's interesting um who actually make up a higher national average of the workforce not necessarily the total amount they earned but of the workforce so that was sort of interesting so but i think it's particularly true of blacks we've been hearing it all over the news and so those opportunities aren't there there um there's there's another recent study that i've been quote quoting lately which is that just looking at the mental health and economics mm -hmm. um and they did some projections on unemployment rates and came up with for every 1% increase in unemployment rates nationally, it is the equivalent of predicting 780 suicides. Wow. So if we've added 10% to our unemployments through these crises of COVID, that represents 7,000 deaths by additional suicide deaths. It also represents 1,000 extra deaths by drug overdose. So when you just looking at those statistics, in how much money we earn, our ability to earn money affects our mental health. And so obviously people who have less 
earnings are going to fall into those categories and lose their jobs more quickly, et cetera. And so I, I think, you know, socioeconomic is a big issue. Um, there's more stress if you're poor on your life, period. Every, everything is harder with less resources to combat it. Um, let's talk about racism though for just a minute too before we go, because what I found here is that was what you were talking about in terms of the long-term trauma and the chronic trauma of microaggressive racism, which we've been talking about lately. They have a term for this, it's called weathering. And it basically says that uh, the allostatic load, which is a metric used to qualify the accumulation of chronic stress-related health effects on the body, is greater for African-Americans because of racial issues and all of the things you've mentioned. So mm -hmm. they basically have more chronic stress and we already know that chronic stress increases mental health issues. It also increases your physical health issues. Yes, it and does. and um, so there's no surprise that there's some correlation here um, for African-Americans. The third thing that relates to an increase of mental health issues among some of those populations is what came really came out of the ACEs study, which is Adverse Childhood um, Experience Study, uh, which is a profound study that showed that the more negative childhood events you have, and they list them, they've got seven of them and they're major, that the more that you have, the more your physical and mental health is will be uh, disturbed later in life. And so they came at it from a very medical model and they did some historical studies and it was quite profound. And so the bottom line is, if you're in an under-resourced community um, where you have more poverty, higher crime rates, um, more community violence, single parent homes, poverty stresses, where you have those things, then you have a more a higher chance of having more ACEs, adverse childhood events, experiences, which increases your likelihood for mental health issues as well as health issues. Um, so yeah, there's a correlation for mental health and, and under-resourced communities, people of color who may have less opportunities and all of the above. Um, that just kind of agrees with everything you were just saying. Yeah, I just think that there oftentimes um, there's just a blanket response to it mm -hmm. instead of really bothering to find out what's really going on. Um, I've seen that also when I worked in the school system. Um, it's easier to label a child than to really try to find out what's really going on with them. And um, that would discourage me all the time when I would see that because I just had that greater hope that this child could still learn, but maybe we need to really go a little deeper and see what, what it is that they're dealing with um, at home. Mm -hmm. And I actually, uh, because I was just moved in that way, um, I actually did this with a young lady um, who my heart was just broken. Uh, I knew she wanted to learn, but there had to have been something else happening that made her come to class and fall asleep almost every day at her desk and the teacher was ready to write her off and um, um, have her uh, determined to be, you know, special, you know, having a special needs of learning. And, and I was like, no, something else is there. And I just, uh, I just took it upon myself to start, you know, taking the time with her to uh, sit with her alone and try to tutor her. And who would have known though, um, later on, uh, as I did discover what she was dealing with at home, where there was just complete unrest. Poverty was there, but
but there are also other components there where drugs were being brought in and just a constant unrest for this child. But God, uh, in, in his own way, I ended up adopting this daughter that I call mine now. Oh. But these are the things that can happen if we don't blanket it, if, we will, if we're willing to do the work and get into these places with these children to find out what's really going on. Because right. I believe in my heart that everyone wants to succeed. But I believe after a while, you can get weary and you can get tired or you can get mislabeled and mm. then you live with that for the rest of your life. Yeah, people, everybody of every race wants to live healthy, happy, whole lives. Yes. We want the same things, you know, um, but, but, but back to, you know, there are reasons that people have more mental health struggles and there are stigmas and barriers that prevent people from getting those help. So as we kind of wrap up, I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to make one conclusion, which is that I believe that those of us who make referrals in our churches and people like you who do make referrals for uh, people of color for mental health resources, we need to be educated on what those barriers are. We need to know what those stigmas are. and We need to learn skills to overcome those barriers and those sensitivities. We need to quit talking about mental illness. We need to talk about mental health. We yes. need to be telling people that they're worth it and and here's how this will help. And we need to persuade them that it's got value for them, that it's not just some label or a diagnosis that's going to carry with them or bring shame upon them. Instead, they're just going to be their best self. And, and so I, I think we who refer need to learn and overcome those barriers. And, and then I, I think we want to we wanna just reach out to people who have stigmas of every color but, and say, you know, you're worth it. You're, you're yes. worth it trouble. Absolutely. I believe that we need to uh, enter in with each other with the open heart and that open mind uh, to be able to receive, to be able to learn, and then figure out how can we do this better and not identify it as a them problem, but as a us. Like, we're, we're going to do this together. You know? And without any assumptions. Yeah. Of any kind. It's the assumptions that get us in trouble, you know, whether they're prejudice assumptions or just assumptions. You know, you must be that way because of who, whatever reason. We really don't know. We're so unique as individuals. Um, those assumptions are almost always wrong. So instead, we need to be humble learners about each other. We're in this together and tell me about you and help me understand you. And then what do you need to be your best self? Um, and let's let's find those solutions together. So yes, absolutely. Well, Eva, yeah, I've appreciated you joining us today. This is uh, it is time to wrap up. So um, this is Eva and Tova with Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter. Thank you. Thank you.